Hello, darlings. Let's do a fun episode today. We've had some big, somewhat heavy parts in the last episode, so I'm really excited to just bring to you something that is really beautiful and fun, passionate, pleasurable, and delightful. And of course, life is all of it, and relationship is all of it. Uh, But today is all about my romantic union with my beloved husband, Michael. And I'm going to share with you first our love story. Many of you have probably heard this love story, but no one gets sick of a good love story. I'm pretty sure. (laughs) Maybe some people do. I don't. But first, let me set it up. Uh, I didn't prepare for this episode much. I didn't pre-record it, pre-write it out. I'm just going to really share from my heart today and see what comes through. When I started working with the medicine in 2015, I really began to open my heart again for the first time since probably my dad left when I was four. Up until that point, I had really attracted relationships with men that were really beautiful, really in their hearts, really loyal, and I couldn't receive them. My heart was not open to them. And as I shared in the past episode, I kept sabotaging the relationships as they got too close, too close for what I was comfortable with at the time, which was, again, all unconscious. And then the medicine work really started to open my heart again. At the time, I was single and I started just feeling, um, started opening my heart, my body, and I had this interaction with this one man who really did some beautiful body work on me, but it ended up turning into kind of uh, not the best situation. It wasn't bad per se. I was just really vulnerable because I was just now starting to open up to that world and to the world of like this more spiritual approach to life, things like Reiki, Tantra, sacred sexuality, in the heart space, inner child work. And I'm going to save that story for another time because it's really related to my awakening as it like pertains to my sexuality. And that just doesn't, I don't need to share that today, but I will share it eventually when I have an entire episode dedicated to my journey with my sexual sexuality and sensuality. Okay. So I digress. So I did, end up like having this interaction, but really for the most part in those first couple years of my medicine work, I was solo, really focused on myself. I even had a period of time where I was celibate and was playing with, with like holding my energy and just doing a lot of yoga and breath work. And that was really powerful for me. But there was a point where I started thinking, maybe I'll never be in a relationship again. 
And I actually, because I think I felt so guilty around the relationships that I had sabotaged and left and all the hurt I had caused, I had created a story that relationship just wasn't for me and monogamy wasn't for me, marriage wasn't for me. It's just not something that's a part of my path. So it was something I had running for a bit. And even I came into contact with some of my best friends now. Um, and at the time, I just uh, started connecting with them, Jocelyn and Aaron Freeman, as some of the original investors into my company, delighted by at the time. And for those of you that know them, they are really big into couples work. And even they would ask me, you know, do I want want to have a partner? Do I want to get married? And I had this story like, nope, that's just not for me. Monogamy is not for me. And as my heart began to open more and more with the medicine work, I started having the desire to be in relationship, but I didn't know exactly what that looked like. What was really interesting is that once my heart opened to a certain degree, I started attracting in men that were very similar and had similar issues to my father. So men that struggled with addiction and substance abuse from alcohol, drugs, and pornography and sex. And it was really dis concerning and uncomfortable. My heart was opening up to, there's two men in particular at different times. My, my heart really started opening up to these men and really wanting to, I don't know, fix them, change them, rescue them, save them and have them choose me. And it was really interesting because I know now that I was attracting them from my wound and from uh, my father wound specifically. I actually ended up having a mentor reflect to me that it was that I do need to focus on my father wound and this was around the time where I decided to walk away from that the latter relationship. It wasn't a serious committed relationship by any means, but it was this guy that would say things like he wants to have my babies and, he, and then he just wouldn't show. And it was just this never-ending cycle and as the person I am now it's hilarious to look back at that younger girl and realize wow like if that was me now I just would have never put up with anything like that I have so much more obviously I've just done a lot more healing around my wound and connection to the masculine and just really respect myself and my body and I can't even believe that it even lit those people in my body, but it was a part of my journey. And actually when I, when I left, um, that one, that one guy in LA and I end up putting my foot down and just saying, this isn't right for me. This isn't, you're just clearly like lying over and over and over again, and you're never choosing. And it just keeps me confused. And in this loop, I uh, actually manifested like a UTI, which I had only had one other UTI in my past before. And this lingered for months, actually. And I know now that it was because I was letting someone into my field that was, you know, that 
truly I didn't want there and which just was a violation and a cross of a boundary inside my sacred space. And But because I wanted that man to choose me and to approve of me and to to basically honor his word, I let him into my field over and over again and I shouldn't have. So that manifested to end up healing months later. Okay. So I, I walked away from this interaction that I was having for many months in LA and one of my mentors, he reflected to me that it was really important for me to start looking at this, that this was like more father stuff. And I didn't know exactly where to start because in my medicine work, it was so like around the heart and the feminine. Um, So we did a little bit of work together and I started realizing, you know, okay, a part of me healing this father wound is to walk away from anyone that resembles my father, for one, (laughs) anyone that says they want something but doesn't actually show up with their actions and to really notice who I'm attracting into my field and let that be let that be information for me in terms of where I'm at with my healing what was interesting was when both with both of these men me walking away from them I was actually more scared of abandoning them it's like I'd projected my abandonment wound onto them, thinking like literally I felt like I was abandoning my father. If I walk away from them and I give up on them or I give up on this person, then that means I'm giving up on my dad, essentially, and just leaving them to be with their own addictions, their own issues, and I'm not supporting them. I'm not there for them, which of course was never my responsibility but there was this attachment to that type of man. And one way that I started really healing my relationship or my father wound specifically was by recognizing that and committing to myself that, no, I come first and I'm too sacred. My body is too sacred. And just forming that reverence with myself and my body and my heart to... Yeah, just not try to rescue men anymore at all. And it was time for me to attract someone into my field that would actually invite me forward (laughs) just as much as I invite them forward. And that was a big yearning I had. One day, Jocelyn and Aaron asked me to make a list of everything that I desire in a man and like my dream guy. Who am I attracting? Who am I desiring? And I made this list and I don't remember everything that was on it, but as I was making it, I really was thinking this person doesn't exist. There's no way it's not possible. In May of 2016, which was when all of this was still unfolding with these, with, I'm not sure the timeline, but whether one or both of these guys, I'm pretty sure. But in May of 2016, I went to a birthday party with Jocelyn when and Aaron when I was visiting Phoenix. I would visit Arizona on a regular basis to go sit in ceremony in Sedona. At the time, I was living out of a van, focusing on my company Delighted By. And as I walked into this pool party, I saw Michael 
sitting at the pool and talking to everybody. And I said to Jocelyn, who's that? (laughs) And she's like, that's Michael. Do you think he's cute? And I was like, yeah. Uh, But I was still like, you know, really shy. And I ended up getting in the pool and was talking to people and was like listening to Michael share that he was in a, like had just gotten into a relationship, a committed relationship and that they were long distance right now. And so I just, you know, said, oh, this guy's in a relationship. No worries. Okay. But I definitely felt this attraction and magnetism towards him, but I just let it be. And then months later, I'm not sure when I was back in Arizona and I'm just going to pause here for one second to close this window. So I was back in Arizona and I got to see Michael again uh, because I think I was going to a wedding or something with Jocelyn. I don't know what we were doing, but I think we like went to Tucson or something. And so Michael was over at the Freemans and I got to see him in passing. And I remember asking him about his relationship And he said that it wasn't really going that well. And I had already intuitively felt that. But what he proceeded to say was that he was reading the book, The Way of the Superior Man, and that he was just really wanting to grow and look at himself inside of the relationship and and all that. And that was really cool to me. And I had this really weird thought in the moment. The thought was, he's reading that book to prepare for me. And I was like, whoa, where did that thought come from? I really hope he didn't pick up on the fact that I'm thinking something like that. Because by no means would I ever want to put my energy on someone that's in a sacred relation, you know, in a relationship period. So (sighs) I just awkwardly walked away. And there was another time where I was in Phoenix. So I think I got to see him three times before we ever got together. So there was another time in Phoenix where uh, they were all like Jocelyn and Aaron's team were over at their house and I was just hanging out there. Like they were working and doing some leadership stuff and doing calls together. I don't know what they were doing. They were doing something for their team. And Michael was a part of the team at the time. And I remember Michael like I was sitting in the kitchen and he was over at the death table working. No, no, no. First of all, what happened was we all sat in a circle to like set some intentions or something. And Jocelyn had said, Oh, do you want to be a part of this? And I was like, sure, why not? And I didn't think anything of it, but I was sitting on the ground with all of them setting our intentions for their team calls they were about to make, but I wasn't going to, I was just a part of the circle. And Michael was sitting to my left and I felt his energy. And I was just like, whoa, you know, I was just really present to the fact that this guy's energy is like drawing me in. And that was not very common for me at all. So I just noticed that. Didn't think anything of it really though. 
because again, he's in a relationship. So I was just like, I just thought, you know, he's a magnetic, good looking person. He's very present. He's into personal development. Like obviously he's, you know, going to magnetize me, you know? So anyway, I didn't think anything of it. And then later that night, as they were making their calls, he was sitting at the table and I was over in the kitchen. I think he like said something across the kitchen, said, are you in a relationship or are you dating anyone? And then Jocelyn chimed in and goes, Oh no, Mike Mackenzie doesn't believe in relationships. She doesn't, she doesn't believe in monogamy. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, basically. <laughs> Cause that's where I was at. And they all like laughed and I laughed and that was all. And then something had happened between that night and the next time I saw Michael again, I have no idea how much time had gone by, but I had just started really coming into my own vision of sacred union. I could like feel my beloved. I was hearing the word beloved and I was like, okay, I have a beloved. Like this is, it's time for me. And my business was getting to a place of just a lot of intensity and I was about to be on Shark Tank and I was just ready to be in my partnership. And I just, yeah, it was just so clear I was ready. So then some time went by, I moved into a new house in LA and got a new car or got a car. I hadn't had a car for a long time and just moved into this like big modern loft, technically in Marina del Rey, but like right on the cusp of Venice and Marina del Rey and got this new sexy car and I just like all within one week, I was like in this house alone. And I was just like, I can feel my person, but where are they? I even went to bed those, you know, first couple weeks or a few days. I don't remember how long in my new house, in my new place, just like feeling somebody in my bed and like waking up and turning over and they're no one's there. And I was like, where's my person? Then I started getting a little frustrated. (laughs) So as I was practicing for Shark Tank one night after I had gone shopping to get the dress that I was going to wear, I was just feeling upset at this point. Like I hadn't had any touch, human touch, physical touch with a man, like nothing for however long. And I was just getting so, I was just lonely and sad, frustrated, and upset and I just preparing for something so big alone in this loft in LA I was just like this doesn't feel right so I ended up calling Jocelyn and just crying to her and just telling her I feel lonely and sad and I have no one to practice with and my pitch and I couldn't tell anyone that I was going to be on Shark Tank blah 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 but she knew because she was an investor so she's like Mackenzie why don't you come to Phoenix tonight and I was like what really so I look up flights and they were pretty expensive and it wasn't like it was so cheap it made sense and I could just go it was like pretty expensive but I heard go so I booked the flight I book an uber I'm in an uber like really soon after on the way to LAX and Jocelyn texted me and she said oh by the way tomorrow we have our couples workshop And Michael is going to be speaking on alignment in relationships. And she said, because he just broke up with his girlfriend. 
And I was like, oh my God, this is why I'm going to Phoenix. I just knew. And I had forgotten at that moment that Michael actually lived with Jocelyn and Aaron now. Like I hadn't, I hadn't thought of that when I booked my flight. I had forgotten about that because he had moved in at some point. And I'm like, oh my God, this is why I'm going to Phoenix this weekend. This makes so much sense. <laughs> One sec. Hmm. So I'm like excited and nervous, but also recognizing this guy just got out of a relationship. I had literally thought of him that week thinking like he's going through something and feeling like this relationship had, that it just wasn't serving him, nothing against the person he was with or the relationship itself. It just could feel like it wasn't in alignment. So it was funny. He was speaking about alignment in relationships on that very point. And when I showed up that night, everyone was in bed asleep because it was late. And so I had told them, I'll just sleep on the couch. Michael was living in the spare bedroom at the time. And I loved, I always like would chill on their couch. I loved sleeping on their couch. It was super comfortable. <laughs> and so I was like, I'll just sleep on the couch. All good. Well, when I laid down, I could not sleep because on the other side of the wall was literally Michael. And you think that wouldn't be that big a deal, but for some reason I was wide awake. I, I could not sleep. I don't think I fell asleep till like two 30 in the morning. There was this intense pull and this yearning to just like hold him and be held by him like there. And I was just like, Oh my God, Mackenzie, you're crazy. Like you probably just haven't had physical touch in so long that you're just like, I don't know, projecting this onto Michael. Like, what are you going to do when he wakes up tomorrow? This is going to be so awkward. He just got to have a relationship. You can't be like putting this on him at all. Like he needs space and time to heal and integrate. (laughs) I'm having all these thoughts, but it was undeniable. Just the pull. He wakes up the next day and I don't remember if it was this time or another time that I was in town. I really wish, oh, it was a different time. I should tell this story really quick. There was another time I was in town where, yeah, I was in town for this thing in Tucson, Jocelyn and I were going to, and I had slept the night on the couch. And when I woke up the next morning before we were going to go, Jocelyn and I were going to go to Tucson, I opened my eyes and you can see the kitchen table. And I saw Michael was sitting at the kitchen table in his like suit or like nice work outfit because he was a real estate agent at the time. And he was like listening to Abraham Hicks and journaling. And I opened my eyes and I see that and he's looking at me and he goes, oh, sorry, I was just staring at you while you slept. (laughs) And I'm thinking, what? Like I literally got up awkwardly and go to, I just like, was like, oh, laughed awkwardly and walked to the bathroom. I knew that he was joking. Like every part of me knew that he was straight up fucking with me. Like as a friend, like he, he knew, like he didn't think I liked him or anything at that time. Like, and he was in a relationship. So emotionally, like he was completely un, 
like available and very loyal to that person. So he was straight up fucking with me, but he didn't know at the time that I was crushing on him. So it was so awkward for me. (laughs) He thought he was saying it as like a brother, like as a friend, just to make me laugh or whatever. And I was just like, oh my God, okay. (laughs) Moved on. Okay, so then now, this time, preparing for Shark Tank, I'm in Phoenix, I wake up, Michael's there, we're in the kitchen, and I ask him, how are you doing? And he said, you know, it's bittersweet. And like, he'd literally broken up with this girl like just two or three days before this. And he was like, you know, of course I'm sad, like there was a lot of love and care in the relationship, and at the same time, I know it's the right decision, and I'm excited to like move forward. And I just was really cautious and sensitive of my energy. Like I kept pulling my energy back because of how natural it was for me to want to like just hug him. And so I kept pulling it back and just did not want to put that on him at all. So we all got ready to go to the couple's brunch. We show up and Michael and I are the only single people, of course. And people are asking, oh, like, is that your boyfriend? And I'm just like, again, awkwardly laughing, like, no, but I wish he was. I didn't say that, but I was thinking that. And he gives this talk on alignment and relationships. And then afterwards, we all went hiking together, the four of us, and just had a great weekend together. Well, even the second night that I was there, like the energy was still so strong for me. Like I just wanted to like be with him and touch him and hold him like it wasn't even sexual it was just I wanted to hold him and be held by him but I just completely shut it down and avoided it at all costs (laughs) Sunday morning rolls around Jocelyn obviously knows that like she knows at this point that I I told her at one point I literally had said to her I'm next in line when it comes to Michael I said that to her I don't know when, but like months prior. And I had said that because I literally felt it. I was like, I'm next in line. (laughs) So she knew. And so she asks me, how's everything going with Michael this weekend? And I was like, oh, um, he's definitely not into me. I'm going to be single forever. My person doesn't exist. (laughs) She's like, wow, dramatic. And I was like, yep, basically that's, that's what I've come to. And so she's sitting there and she's like, Mackenzie, here's the thing. Would God give you a desire if God didn't have an answer? And that really hit me. I was like, oh, hmm, that's a good point. And I was like, you know what? You're right. No, if there's the desire, then it must be a thing. There must be the answer. And she goes, okay, great. So are you willing and ready to accept that your person does exist? And I looked at her and I was like, yes, I'm ready. I'm willing. And yes, I affirm my person does exist. And, and it was like this moment, she really wanted me to not just say it, but to believe it. And I did for some reason, the way that she coached me through that, I believed it. And she's like, okay. And so I just knew like, okay, it's clearly not my goal because he's not into me, but my person does exist and it's all going to be good. And the other thing is, is I had been hearing this message. I need to be in my feminine with my beloved. 
it's going to be really important that I'm in my feminine. And so I have to do that from day one, meaning I can't initiate the conversation of having feelings. I can't initiate the actions that happen from there. And that was so unnatural and uncomfortable for me. I would say my feminine essence is the most natural thing in me. And yet my most conditioned version of myself has been mostly masculine slash take control, take charge, take initiative, which I think a lot of women go through and have been going through. And it is honestly like a trauma response, not to be dramatic about it, but it is like, if you, like I grew up with a single mom, you know, doing all the work and at least in my early years and a lot of women out there are just, you know, there's a lot of the father wound is just really big, right? And so then we develop this more masculine side of ourselves to take care of ourselves. And we're like, the story is no one else is going to do it. So we do it. So in relationship, I normally had no problem just saying like, I have feelings for you. This time it was like, not nope, can't say that, can't say anything, literally lean back and stay there. And it was so... Ah, okay. So I was like committed to it, but it was not easy or comfortable for me. Um, all right. So Jocelyn has me confirm this. I confirm. And then she's like, okay, great. So anyway, do you want to have cacao before you leave? And I was like, yeah, definitely. So I make cacao for the four of us, for Aaron, Jocelyn, and Michael and myself. And we go out into the living room. I bring them the cacao. Michael's never had cacao. So I tell him about it. I walk him through it. And we all set our intentions together. And we started drinking the cacao. And Jocelyn Aaron started having a side conversation. Let me take a sip of water. Jocelyn Aaron start having a side conversation, like clearly on their own. <laughs> so Michael and I are like, Okay, I guess we'll talk. So Michael and I turned to each other and, you know, we were just sharing. He was sharing something with me. I'm not, I don't remember the exact conversation, but I asked him, so what's on your heart? And he's sharing something with me and explaining, expressing himself. And then he says, and if I'm being honest... I have feelings for you and I really am unwilling to let you leave today without me telling you. And he says something along these lines and I am straight up staring at him stunned (laughs) because literally quite literally 10 minutes before that I had sat in the kitchen, not only saying that Michael's not into me, but that, this is all coming so full circle, which I'll explain in a minute, but I'm having a realization as I share this story. Oh, <laughs> this is really good. Okay, stay tuned on that. So I, it, 10 minutes before I had said, he's not into me, and I had said, my person doesn't exist. Jocelyn made me claim that my person does exist, and now Michael's expressing, I have feelings for you. I was in shock. At one point he goes, now would be a good time to say something because I was blankly staring at him with no words. And I don't know for how long the poor thing. (laughs) And he like, 
yes, I'll tell you that part in a minute. I say to him, I, it's a hundred percent reciprocated. I've been, I've just had so much adoration for you. And I've been admiring you from afar for so long. And I I just have so much respect for you and how you show up in life. And that's going to make me tear up because that's what I said to him. And that was so true. Like I'd been admiring him from afar. When I would see him do his journaling, his affirmation, set his intentions for his day. and, And the way he had said like he wanted to lean into the challenges in his relationship and the way that he took on personal and professional development and the way that he showed up in his business. And like, I just really could feel like this guy's the real deal. And so I told him that, but I was really shy and uncomfortable and still in shock. And so we kind of like awkwardly got up. I don't even know if we hugged or anything. And I said to him, I've got to get ready. I have to go. And he was like, okay. And it was just kind of like to be continued. And so I started to get ready, but I pulled Jocelyn off to the side. I asked her, do you want to go on a quick walk? I had literally 10 minutes, but I just wanted to get her outside to tell her what had happened. And I told her and I was just like freaking out on that walk. I was like, oh my God, this just happened. Like, what the heck? This is crazy. And she's so excited. Then um, I had this feeling. I literally had this intuition that Michael was going to be coming to LA with me that day. For some reason, I had just felt that when I meet my beloved, it's going to be all in. And not to be too intense with it or anything, but I just felt like our lives were going to merge in a way that was so next level and, and fast, but not from a like trauma bonding sense, but truly from a healthy place. Like we were going to merge our lives. And so I just felt like Michael was going to be coming to LA with me that day. I didn't know what that meant, but I go back inside and I get in the shower. By the time I came out of the shower, I was walking through the hallway to get dressed. And Michael said, Hey, can I talk to you really quick? I come into his bedroom and he has a bag that he's packing. And he said, he's shaking. And he says to me, um, how do you feel about me coming to LA for the weekend? And I said to him, yeah, I thought you were coming. That's perfect. Let's go. The Uber is here already. We've got to go now. He did not have a ticket for a flight. He stared at me like, what do you mean you knew you were like, you thought I was coming? And I was just, I couldn't say something. I couldn't invite him to come. I had to have him choose and him initiate so that I could stay in my feminine and he could be in his masculine. <laughs> what I didn't know was that when I was in the shower, Jocelyn and Michael had had a conversation and Jocelyn had said to him, so what are you going to do now? And Michael, I guess, had answered of like, I guess we'll talk on the phone and just get to know each other. And Jocelyn had said to him, well, I have another option. And Michael said, what? And Jocelyn said, why don't you go with her today? And Michael goes, what are you talking about? That's crazy. I have work tomorrow. And she goes, yeah, well, how fast do you want to grow? And Michael looked at her like, fast? So he's just like, oh shit, I'm going to LA, aren't I? (laughs) 
and he was just catching it up to it all like and it was all happening so quickly so next thing you know I mean thank god for Jocelyn right Jocelyn and Aaron they played a huge role in this coming together so we go to we get in the uber and we can barely look at each other. We're so awkward and nervous and just like, oh my God, this all happened so fast. Like, I don't even know if we knew each other's last names at this point. <laughs> like we'd never exchanged numbers, nothing. So he gets in, his hair isn't even done. He's just like, what is happening? So we pull up to the airport. He goes up to the desk and he gets the last ticket on the flight. And then we get on the flight, we're sitting next to each other, and we start like cozying up and like, we're like, hi. <laughs> we ended up kissing for the first time on that flight. And it was just very gentle and like sweet. It wasn't this like huge explosion of energy, it just was. It was just so calm. Obviously, like we were the other stuff had happened so quickly, but just by the time we got into those seats on the plane and we were just like looking each other in the eyes, it was just very calm and easy. Like, I don't know. I don't know. There was just an ease about it. And I can't say I'd ever just like felt that before so quickly. It was, it was just really interesting. So we get back to LA and he spends the weekend there and (laughs) All his doubts start coming up towards the end because he had just gotten out of a relationship. He thought, you know, it's time for me to be single, pursue my career, get on track again. His family had met this woman. And so they were really like, what are you doing in L.A.? And he just had all these considerations, you know, his life back in Phoenix, the fact that he had just gotten out of a relationship what his parents were going to think, what his community was going to think, all the things that we go through when we're making a fast transition. Hmm. And I could feel him starting to just go into that doubt. And it felt really uncomfortable for me because whether it's a wound or just a normal human behavior and especially as a woman desiring to be chosen you know and of course some of that is from wounding but even from like not a fairy tale princess disney princess thing just from like a really wanting to start my life with someone like a very genuine desire and readiness to start my life with someone that's actually in alignment for me and that feels like the person that that feels like the one. And I just felt this knowing like Michael's the person. Mm, I feel my heart with that. I just knew. And so feeling him kind of wobble a little bit, I just, I knew I needed to let him do that. We ended up having a conversation at the beach before he left and he just looked at me and said, like, I just need to make this decision for myself. And I need you to just trust me. And I said, okay. Um, So he left that night. And actually, I don't know if I've shared this part of the story before. 
he went to LAX and many, many hours later, maybe 12 hours later, something ridiculous, I had texted him or something. I found out that he was still at LAX and his flight had been delayed over and over and over again. It was like actually on the way of being canceled, on its way to being canceled. And I had the biggest trauma response in my body. Like my father wound came out so strong because I was like, what? Like, why, like, why didn't he come back? Like, why didn't he tell me that he was still at LAX? Like, I just went into so much of my wound without any awareness of my wound. Like, of course I knew of my things, but I just didn't have this language around that sacred wound. And I didn't know how to hold it. And I'd done all this medicine work, but I didn't know how to show up integrated inside of a union when someone's triggering your insecurities or triggering your trauma or triggering just your shadow, your stuff. And this was my very first look at this is going to, this is no joke. This is going to be real, like confronting. And I just felt so much anger and rage and sadness and confusion at the time of like, why, like he doesn't, why doesn't he want me is kind of the story. Like, why didn't, doesn't he care about me enough to want to come back and be with me longer and all the things, right? So I just went into this whole story for a few hours that night and I'm shocked it didn't scare the shit out of Michael to the point of him just running as far away as possible. Oh, bless his heart. But the reality is, is like he hadn't fully chosen yet and I was feeling that and it was really scary for me. And he was scared, right? And that just comes out in different ways for men and women. Like for men, I think a lot of times it comes out more repressed, like in a kind of like a sinking back uncertainty, like, whoa, I'm not sure yet. And for women, it comes out in this like, or it can come out in this like reactive, like, come on, like, what are you doing? Please. (laughs) So we went through that little wave and I believe he ended up having to come back to the place because his flight did get canceled. So I think he stayed for another few days and yeah, I think we had some good conversations and he still ended up leaving, I think later that week and going back to Phoenix and just having those, that time to himself to really sit with what he was going to do. I don't remember the exact time frame, but he ended up closing out what wasn't in alignment for him anymore. And how he explains it now is he just knew that if he chose me and if he chose us and he chose this path, that his life was going to radically change and that it was going to require just such radical shifts and that he was going to have to let go of everything that's not in alignment for him anymore, which meant real estate. It meant his isogenics business and it meant his relationship with landmark in at least how it was at the time, which is he was, um, involved with their training or something like that for free, like a volunteer, like training, I don't know, ILP training, something like this. Anyway, so he had to like close those things out and 
have those conversations with his team and his boss and the people and like really was nervous to disappoint all those people and yet had to face off with that. So obviously, as you guys know, he did choose, he chose me, he chose us, he chose himself and he chose to close out all of those agreements and bring them to completion so that he could start fresh from this new place and this new life. And for some reason that was just his sole contract. Um, I don't think it always needs to be that extreme or dramatic, but for him, that was what was true. And so he ended up moving to LA very soon after, like very soon after, it was just weeks later that he ended up coming back to LA and never left. He had gone home to see his family at one point for 4th of July. He had come and visited me once more with, um, with my aunt Amy, with Jocelyn Aaron for my shark tank casting for my shark tank. Uh, it was like, what is it called? They recorded the episode around my birthday. So they all came out to be with me around that time for my birthday and for the recording. And even then, like I was triggered from the beginning. (laughs) Like Michael was triggering me. You know, when I got out of my shark tank thing, I was in shock. My body was in shock and I did not know how to express my needs. I did not know myself enough inside of other relationships. I did not know how to voice myself. And I had a lot of anxiety at the time because of my business and Shark Tank was only compiling the anxiety on. And I just, yeah, I was really triggered of like, I wanted Michael to, I wanted Michael to like really be a strong presence for me and to be inquisitive with me and to have like express physical touch and really um, be with me through those moments of where I was feeling vulnerable. But the issue was I needed to make a lot of trial and error of how to express my vulnerability healthily, like in a healthy way without just projecting it or being like, something's wrong here. It's like, how can I just simply say, I'm feeling really tender right now. That was really scary for me. Like that moment being on set, that was a lot. And I just... I would love physical touch and questions and celebration and that would mean a lot to me. You know, like that would be simple, but I don't think it came out like that at all. It came out more of like in emotions and of course, I guess that was needed because I was releasing a lot of anxiety from a lot of like tension and holding while on set and leading up to the day itself. So I'm just grateful to Jocelyn, Aaron, my Aunt Amy, and Michael just being such beautiful soul family and blood family, Amy, of course, like for me in that moment and just, yeah, being with it, being with my emotions and just loving me through all of those processes. So grateful. And Michael stuck around, (laughs) which was, it's just such a blessing that he loved me through those moments. And I loved him through his, um, he was just now starting to, Like he actually hadn't ever been comfortable with emotions. Like that wasn't his thing, right? For most men, they're not comfortable with either expressing emotions or receiving emotions on the other end or both. Like my emotions were uncomfortable for him. 
and his emotions were uncomfortable for him. So this was all actually working on each other in a beautiful way as it does in romantic union. We're always bringing out these different elements of each other at the perfect time, even if it doesn't feel blissful or comfortable. And at the time, also another side note, is like his family was freaking out because his family was like, you just got out of a relationship. What are you doing moving to LA, uh, closing out all of your work agreements? And what are you going to do in LA? How are you going to make money? And who's this girl? And meanwhile, his ex was like kind of talking shit about him behind his back to his own family. And so his family was starting to get worried. And so the poor thing, like he just came up against a lot of adversity in those earlier months because he had to like stand for our union. And it was not easy for him either because he did have a lot of more, he had free time on his hands. And I was working like 17 hour days on the business and he, I had invited him into spaciousness. I had said, look, like you don't need to worry about jumping into anything right now. Like I, like everything's already paid for. And so why don't you just take this time to come into a more receptive state and really heal anything that you haven't had the time to heal because he'd been on like overdrive for so many years, like just totally relying on coffee and stimulants to work and volunteer and show up. And so it's like, I just could intuitively feel as his woman that he needed to slow down. And I knew that I had had those moments of slowing down and that's where delighted by my business had come from. That's where cacao had come from. That's where these beautiful things came from stillness and from leaning into the discomfort of nothingness and just being with myself. And so I just knew like, if he does that, then beautiful things will come from it. And I told him that I was like, you don't need to rush into anything right now to pay the bills. That would be a waste of your time and energy why don't you actually sit with what your soul is saying and what your soul calls you to? And I just remember the look on his face. Like he was so uncomfortable and that was very triggering for his ego, especially as a man, (laughs) you know, especially like traditional roles of like, okay, I'm just going to let this, like, like my, I'm going to allow this and surrender to this situation. Hmm. But it was a beautiful moment to have that conversation. I'll never forget it. Yeah, and oh my gosh, we've just been through a lot since then. And it's been remarkable, absolutely remarkable. In those earlier years, like, well, that first year, I would say the first year was the hardest because we were constantly just triggering each other. And I would say the reason why we were able to get through that first year together when all of our shadows were popping off the charts and our wounds were coming out and there were times where, you know, we'd just be like storm out and like it's over, you know, what always got us through were the following things. (laughs) Number one, we ended up making an agreement with each other the first week in our relationship. So once he made that decision for himself and he moved to LA, 
we ended up deciding, I'm not sure how we came to it, but we decided to write out our agreements and our vows to each other. And in that, we came up with our vision for our relationship. We came up with our core values for our relationship and our why. Like, what's our why for being here? And what are our commitments to each other? So quite literally from day one, we were committed to growing and to leaning in when it gets challenging. We were committed to our why and our vision, which was to utilize our union to be of service to something bigger than us and to basically allow our union to be of more service than we could be as individuals. This union was like consecrated from day one as a devotion to love, as a devotion to unity, as a devotion to healing, and as a devotion to God. We literally wrote out, both of us, our promises to each other. And one of those things that we promised to each other is that we would get support when and if it got too challenging for us to manage on our own. And so in addition to this agreement and this these written words, which I think is the huge is is quite literally why we were able to that that carried us through the hard moments. Um, it was the support from the from others and from various tools that allowed us to keep leaning in and experience all the magic and the love in addition to the growth and the challenges. One of those things being the medicine, ayahuasca. The minute Michael walked into that house, like he knew like this is a part of Mackenzie's life and he'd been calling in the medicine for over five years at that point. Like he knew about medicine longer than I had, but he just had never had the money or the time to go down to the jungle. And I knew that it was really important for me to, because the medicine at that time in my life, it still is, but at that time it was like very, very, very present in my life. Um, I just knew that like my beloved, I needed my beloved to, to know this, um, to know this experience and know this energy and to know the principles that come from the ceremonial work. And he got to sit with his, in his first ceremony with my shaman in Sedona. And then the second time he sat, um, it was just him and I. And it was so big so big to sit just him and I together. That was his second experience of the medicine. I'll share a little bit about that, but at the time I'd been going through so much. Not only was there Shark Tank, not only was there the like, do I stay in this agreement with Mark Cuban? Do I leave? Do I want this? Is this aligned for me? Like there was all that going on. And I was managing my business full time still as the only employee of my company just having sold a million dollars worth of product on my own and managing all the logistics of that. And I had Cacao, my nonprofit. And I had chosen to partner with a with a woman in Guatemala. And she's trained and initiated into as a Mayan priestess. 
And so I thought she was really trustworthy. And in addition to that partnership at the time, I also was partnered with my Aunt Amy and her girlfriend at the time, but they had just gone through a really nasty breakup. And in that nasty breakup, that woman started stealing, copying, and projecting, and it was really dramatic, very traumatic for both Amy and I. And all the things that were unfolding, it was just very, very, very evident that I had given my power away to this woman. There's going to be a whole episode on that as well. So Michael just came into my life and there's this drama going on with this woman. I'm really coming up against like integrating the the wound that I have around the feminine and mother and just women in general. So it was that. My supplier in Guatemala was turning against me because Amy's ex-girlfriend was stealing that source. <laughs> and um, there was just so much happening, right? So... My point is Michael was supporting me through all of that. Like he was showing up like a freaking warrior in all of that. Like he was my rock. He was my, he was this like voice of reason for all of these situations. And when we went into ceremony together for his second time sitting, when I was sitting there deep in the medicine, I could feel him and how he was experiencing it. And I was like, wow, I've never met someone that sits with the medicine the way I do. And there was just this resonance, an inner, like deep inner understanding, understanding of how sacred this work is and how we perceive that work. In that ceremony, I had a huge healing around this betrayal I'd experienced with this woman. And the reason why I say that's going to be a whole episode is because my betrayal wound kept manifesting more betrayal in my life. So when I say a betrayal, I take full responsibility for it. And that's why I'm going to have a whole episode on that. Regardless, coming back to this, in that ceremony, I really was invited to facing off with this, um, with, with what I needed to heal and with the certain thoughts I'd had and delusions I had created around others. And what I mean by that is at that time in my life, I did not believe in darkness. I didn't believe that anything dark was real I didn't believe in dark magic. I, I always was light washing everything of only love is real and everyone is pure and everyone is love and treat them as love. You know, beautiful intentions. But the problem with that is that resulted in me having very poor boundaries and discernment with people. And I really had to come up against the reality that some people don't have good intentions. <laughs> And that was very hard for me to accept. Too hard for me to accept. It shouldn't have been that hard for me to accept, but for some reason it was. In that ceremony, I got to face off with that. And I was like purging and Michael was there and just with it, you know, and he was so with it. And the big message that I heard in that ceremony together was, I will be receiving this man for the rest of my life. 
and he will be pushing my edges of receiving love for the rest of my life. And it was so powerful. Like my heart, I was being invited to lit in, in, in the same ceremony where I was having to really confront and face off that darkness is real. Shadows are real. And it's important to face our shadows, our own and others, and to be realistic about it. As I was, I was up against those things and, and going through that initiation, I was also going through this really profound opening to more love and my heart and um, Aya, <laughs> she celebrated Michael and I in that ceremony that night. She was so happy for me. And she was just like, there were so many, like it was like hearts and balloons and pink and beauty. And she, like as a representation of the Divine Mother, was celebrating him and celebrating our love. And I was bawling <laughs> so moved by that because as I've shared with my story growing up I wasn't allowed to have relations with other men and it was never celebrated it was only shamed and ridiculed and made wrong and it was like oh my god my mother the divine mother the cosmic mother is celebrating my love and it was so healing for me and then I remember, like, Michael had this huge ceremony and went through all of his own things. And we just held each other at the end. And I told him what I received of the message that, like, I heard that I'll be receiving you for the rest of my life. And he was so moved by that. <laughs> what a journey. <clears throat> all right, the last thing I'll share. I thought I was going to be sharing so many other things today, but I guess it's just all about our initial love story. So as Michael was sitting every single day in stillness, he was, of course, drinking cacao. And he was just setting the intention to open his heart and to feel. I had started telling him, like, Michael, you know that when I share an emotion, you lean back and you, like, literally contract your chest? He was like, oh. He didn't even realize, you know? So then he started to, like, what would it look like to lean in physically with my body and use that body language to start getting comfortable with opening the heart and being okay with emotions, whether it's his or someone else's. And so he was just really starting to develop and honor his feminine side, which is so important for, I think, every person, men included. And he was listening to cacao, and he was journaling, and he was um, I'm not sure if he had started with the gene keys yet. I don't think he had started with the gene keys yet. So he was just journaling, meditating, drinking cacao, and inviting himself into being still. <clears throat> One day, he says to me, we're going to bring cacao in-house. Because we'd had all these issues with um with this woman in Guatemala. And... We end up going to Guatemala together, and he was so, my rock and such a like a beautiful presence, and was able to shine so much clarity on that situation to be like, this is not right for you, this is not right for us, and this is not right for Cacao. Like we're moving on, and it's like Cacao started working through him without me even 
in like inviting him into that or him like thinking he wanted that. And he found this supplier of cacao in in the jungle of Guatemala that we now to this day work with for our Criollo cacao in Guatemala. He ended up going on this crazy search for a Mexican Molino so that we could bring in raw cacao nibs and make our own product in-house in LA. And he was able to find this Molino, this stone grinder in Mexico. We didn't speak Spanish, but we somehow found it. And he ended up forming a connection with this man in Peru that had reached out at one point and I hadn't fully connected with yet. So we invite Matt, our partner in Peru, we invite him over to our place in LA and Michael forms a beautiful bond with him, starts working with him, starts importing these beans, the chuncho beans from from Peru. And we create together this process of making our own cacao. And it was so fun and yet such a deep initiation into our love. So it's like as all of our shadows all of our <clears throat> beauty, light, dark, all of it was coming to the surface inside of our, our inside of the reflection of each other. We were being held and initiated by the medicine of cacao. Our place smelled like a cow, our clothes smelled like a cow, everything was covered in cacao. We were immersed into it. Every single day we fulfilled cacao orders. We'd make cacao once a week, which was pretty intense labor. And we were starting to go on tour and share cacao with the world and share cacao as a couple and start hosting ceremonies. And this was all within literally the first two months of our relationship. The first two months. That was nuts that we were going through all of those things with Delighted By, Mark Cuban, Shark Tank, (laughs) Cacao, changing suppliers, managing the drama of this falling out with my aunt's ex-girlfriend, all of our shadows and things coming up inside of our union, starting to travel the world and host our own cacao ceremonies, all within two months of our relationship starting. Absolutely nuts. (laughs) so we truly merged our lives from day one and it's been the most remarkable adventure we've ever both of us have ever been on and ever will go on and the adventure continues (laughs) so just to recap what I believe was absolutely instrumental for us to get through those early years and even till now is is by coming back to our agreements and our vows and consistently communicating what we need, what's not working for us, what we need to change. And we don't hold back, you know, we confront each other and it can be kind of annoying at times because we just can't hide anything from each other. We just have to bring it out. And so it's all been all about like refining how we communicate and being able to communicate from a place of softness and grace versus reaction. And, um, and then also just having the support from, I had mentioned the medicine that has been really big for us in those earlier years. And even this year or this month, I mean, (laughs) yeah, this year and this month, we had a ceremony that was really big for us. And I guess it, it didn't look big. Like it, 
it didn't look big or feel big even for him necessarily, but it just was this like, what I love about ceremony is it's just this invitation to pause, reflect, and just celebrate and just bask, literally bask in the beauty of our love and of our life and of our family and just of all of the things we've traversed through together and what's been created from there. It's like, that was big for me and really special. And, and I love having those moments in time where we do that, whether it's just through cacao ceremony or it's as big as a master plant ceremony or even just taking that intentional time together going on a vacation together or something. So anyway, in addition to that, having support from others has been key. Literally letting other people see us and see our relationship, even our downfalls, wasn't easy for us in the beginning. We wanted to try to figure it out all on our own. And it was like, just letting each other see our shadows was hard enough. We didn't want other people to see it and like, But then we had to humble ourselves and get support. And then that's just really evolved over time, right? And we've had beautiful mentors, amazing friends that we trust, that we can open up to about everything. And we've just had these, we continue to get called forward and it's always helpful to get an outside perspective. Oh my gosh, so important. So I'll end there for now and... I'll continue this episode or this journey. I'll I'll reflect after um, launching this. I'll reflect and just see like what else wants to be shared about our love. I'd love to share about our marriage portal and how big that was for us, what that brought up for us. And I'd also love to share like my biggest lessons in relationships so far. And, And I'd also love to just give an update on like what's the most recent thing that we've moved through as a couple and and even like what's the big theme inside of our relationship now okay so that will be soon to be continued thanks for listening and thanks for celebrating our love of course this episode is dedicated to my beloved michael <laughs> the man of my dreams mm, truly Without, without this incredible man, I would not be a fraction of who I am today. He has loved me through so much and he has, he's pierced me with his love to the point of calling me forward on so many ways. And I'm developing into the woman that I desire to be and want to be, especially for our future children because of this man. It is an honor and a privilege to have a front row seat to his life and to witness the sacredness of his journey and the things that he has said yes to traversing in this life, the things he's said yes to and signed up for. It's been the most humbling experience, even more humbling than all my business experience and my journey with Delighted By different relationships, things with my parents, all of it. It's like this, my sacred union with Michael. It's been the most illuminating, humbling, and rewarding, fulfilling journey. I'm 100% 
devoted to this man and so in love with his humor, his laughter, his joy, and his brilliance, his charisma, his ability to just love me even at my worst, his willingness to speak the truth, his willingness to speak up and be authentic, his integrity in that way, and and also I'm in love with the parts that he doesn't even think are perfect. I'm in love with the parts that are challenging for him and like witnessing his hero's journey and his sacred wounds and his shadows and the way that he traverses through those things, even though it's unique to him and it's in his own timing, it's not the way that I would do it or the way I think should be done. It's the way he does it. And that's what's been so illuminating for me and humbling and necessary for me to grow as as a person. So I just love truly every bit of how he does it. And I'm falling more in love with him every single day. That's not just something I say to sound good because we certainly have our challenges. I'm not trying to paint just rainbows all over our relationship and say it's perfect. It really requires something. Holy shit, it requires something. (laughs) Talk about, like, I just think the most aware person in the world would still have blind spots illuminated inside of sacred union. Especially when you've said yes to personally growing the way that we have and so many of our friends have inside of their relationships. So I'm falling more in love with him every day. The clearer I see him and the more I get called out on just how perfect and how sacred that journey is that I even get to witness it. Yeah, what a blessing. (laughs) Thank you for listening. So much love. And speaking of couples, we have another couples immersion coming up in March in Sedona, um, March of 2023. This is happening March 10th through 12th. And we have spots for two couples to join us. It's an intimate couples immersion for two nights in Sedona at our home. And it's going to be yeah, really special, really beautiful to come together with other couples, not as like people that know it all or that are better than or more evolved than, but truly just to be in proximity with other couples that are on this journey of growing and healing and leaning into something bigger than themselves inside of their love. Please reach out if you're interested in that. We have our February one as well, but it is full. So our next one will be March 10th through 12th. All right, talk to you soon. Aloha.